Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. Full service in a self-service world. The UPSstore.ca. Well, if this continues to go well, it looks like it's the beginning of season four of the Standing By podcast. I'm Terry DeMonte. Look, there's Ted Bird. Hello, Ted Bird. How do you do, Roy Orbison? <laughs> I took my well, you took your sunglasses off. Sorry. Terry had his sunglasses on just before we signed on, and he looked like Roy Orbison. He looked like Roy Orbison and Bob McCown's love child. There he is. There you go. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll take those off because I look like a dork. Um, it's uh, season four. We're uh, we're underway, and I'm I'm thrilled about that because uh, Ted and I have our own little podcast. Almost every second day, we talk on the phone, and uh, Ted still has a radio show, so uh, he can get. Uh, well, not everything off his chest, but uh, some things off his chest on the radio program. I, I just yell out the window in, in Langley or uh, talk to my wife about things that are, are getting on my nerves. And uh, here we are with season four. So now uh, we've got an outlet. Um, if you're you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you're listening, if you've downloaded the audio, uh, first of all, if you're with us in any way, shape or form, thank you so, so much. Um, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Ted and I are not in the same studio. It's a long story that we'll deal with on another occasion. I can't travel in November, December, and January. And Ted and I were dying to get season four underway. So I uh, found myself a, uh, a really beautiful studio in a beautiful new building uh, in the Fraser Valley, which is about 45 minutes uh, east of uh, downtown Vancouver, where I live. And uh, the um, uh, the studio is uh, at a uh, company called Agency Media. It's beautiful. It's well-equipped. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ted, it kind of feels like we're sitting right across from each other. It does, yeah, and it sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, as per usual, am in the uh, Pantelis and uh, Phil Balabanos Comedy Empire studio, along with our... Uh, producer Poseidon, who's along with us for season four. So our thanks to uh, Pantelis and Phil and Poseidon and Mike Ward and everybody who runs this joint. And to reiterate what Terry already said, thanks to you for being with us. That's how we were able to get to season four. We've had support from uh, followers and listeners, and that has translated into support from uh, all of our sponsors. All of our sponsors have returned for another season, so we're grateful to them as well. This indicates that we might be doing something right, Ted. As I was, as I was saying to you uh, yesterday, um, uh, it was uh, my wife Jess that suggested uh, we may be uh, filling some kind of entertainment vacuum or uh, pissing and moaning vacuum that doesn't exist anymore by uh, continuing a, uh, a different kind of version of what we did on the radio for all of those years. And uh, judging from the Facebook page and uh the Twitter impressions and all of those other things that the social media gurus come up with, um, there seems to be a fair amount of people who are enjoying the podcast, which is very, very gratifying. Yeah, and I don't think it's a pissing and moaning thing as much no, as no. Uh, as much as uh, we just get together and uh, and we chat and have a good time. And people have always told us it's kind of like being uh, sitting around the kitchen table with old friends. So yeah. If we can continue to do that and offer that, then uh, I think that there will probably continue to be uh, uh, an appetite for that. Anyway, uh, we we uh, as we were saying, we're we're uh, kind of thrilled. Uh, we got a lot of stuff that uh, that we want to talk about, and uh, for this season, because I couldn't travel, 
um, we're we're going to do it this way. And as as Ted and I were just saying, it it seems uh, absolutely fine. Um, and uh, we want to thank uh, some of our. We've got a, a number of topics. Ted and I didn't rehearse because why should we start now? We haven't rehearsed after 30, after thirty seven years. Why start now? <laughs> yeah, but we did talk about some of the things that. Uh, um, that we uh, we do want to talk about. Um, and uh, just before we get going, uh, we want to start by uh, thanking one of our, our sponsors, and that's uh, David Gr- Drucker and the good people at the UPS Stores Canada. Um, don't know if you've ever been into a UPS store, but if I'm sure you have been if you have a small business, um, because that's a small business owner running the UPS Store Canada in your neighborhood who knows exactly what you need. Whether you need boxes, you have to ship to clients, you have contracts you need to fax, you're looking for packing tape, you're looking for those uh, styrofoam popcorn to ship fragile stuff, uh, you need to ship a, 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 a very important engine part to a client in uh, Toronto, uh, you've got contracts that need to be shipped to a head office in Calgary, uh, you've got cookies that need to go to your uh, aunt in Drumheller. No matter what it is, the folks at the UPS Store Canada can handle it, and boy, do they handle it well. Anything that you need to run your business and anything you need to run your house, we used them when we moved from Montreal to British Columbia. Uh, they came uh, They came to the rescue a number of times with pieces, parts that we've forgotten. Uh, they were able to organize shipping and uh, really, really helped us out a lot. And as I mentioned, the people that uh, run these places in your community, there's one about three kilometers from my house here in the Fraser Valley. I know there's one about five kilometers from where Ted lives on, on Sources Road. They're everywhere all across the country. If you have any kind of needs uh, in terms of shipping or running your small business, don't forget the UPS Store Canada uh, can help you with almost everything. And we uh, we uh, thank them for their support and a tip of the cap uh, to David Drucker. Um, I'm retired now, Ted. I got some spare time. If uh, you'd like to come out, <clears throat> pardon me, to British Columbia, spend your holidays, we can go flinging mashed potatoes at uh, some of the artwork around town, if you like. We could do that. Uh, I've already, uh, Terry, of course, is referring to, uh, what is the name of that group? The, 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 they have it on their shirt. Uh, stop as, oil, no more yeah. oil, get rid of the oil. As somebody they, pointed out, it's a demand. It's not an organization. It's a demand. And it's a demand that they don't know how to achieve. So they're starting with mashed potatoes and tomato soup. Yeah, throwing tomato soup on a Van Gogh and mashed potatoes on a, uh, a Renoir or a, uh, or a Monet. And after the second one, I contacted Donna Zielinski, who's a Montreal artist and a friend of mine, and I and she's got some paintings that are going to be exhibited out your way, I think, Tara. Yeah, they are. And I told her, uh, if you'd like, I can uh, I can go by the exhibit and throw up on uh, one of your pieces and get you some publicity <laughs> and maybe enhance the value of the painting. <laughs> she's very very talented. <laughs> Donna Zelinsky's work with some Ted Bird vomit flex. That's, <laughs> that, that's got to up the value of that. Is that from the Bird Barf collection? It is, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's really, you know what, it, it's actually, I read a, an interesting piece on it. Um, I don't know where I read it. It might have been the New York Times. That it's, it's the behavior, stamping your feet or, you know, gluing your hands to something. And, and throwing a tantrum is is the behavior of a toddler. It they, is. They're behaving like toddlers 
hoping to achieve their goal. I personally, I don't think, I don't think they're making a lot of friends. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, something like a, you know, a Van Gogh. What was the name of that painting? It was the one with the flowers. I think that's what Van Gogh called it. I'm going to call this one the one with the flowers. Pardon me while I cut off my ear. <laughs> But I think most people have a reverence and a respect for, I know I do. I don't understand art that well. I'm not an art aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a reverence and a respect for it. I know you shouldn't be throwing tomato soup or mashed potatoes on a masterpiece. I like your uh, your one-act play, your Van Gogh one-act play. <laughs> Not a lot of lines in it, but it's a pretty good play. <laughs> well, brevity is the soul of wit, said Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, you can find Donna Zielinski on Twitter, by the way. Um, uh, what's her Twitter handle, Ted? Because I believe it's at Donna Zielinski, Z-I-E-L-I-N-S-K-I, if I'm not mistaken. It, she's, she's extremely talented, and I'm going to try and get to see uh, some of the work that she's got here uh, at the uh, exhibition in Vancouver. She's she's really an up-and-coming, uh, very, very talented Canadian artist. And if you're on Twitter, by the way, you can find a lot of up-and-coming talent on uh, Twitter uh, who are starting to use uh, Twitter um, to market their um, their style and market their exhibitions and, and their work that you can buy online. Although, I don't know what's going to happen with all of that now that Elon Musk has bought it. Have you been following that along? Well, time? you're, you're going to have to filter out all the Nazis now, Terry, to find uh, what you what you want to find because Elon Musk, has he's just opened the door yeah. uh, for all the Nazis. Okay. Uh, I say that sarcastically. I love Elon Musk. I, I think he's, the, he's the, the classic example of a guy with fuck you money. Yeah, yeah. And he, uses it, he uses it to say, "Fuck you, I'm buying Twitter," <laughs> and he has he has fun with it. I don't think he's mean spirited. I don't think he's evil. I don't think no. he's dangerous. I think he's a, I think he's just a guy who a likes to have fun and and b he's a free speech absolutist. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. And I you know I know there's free speech and there's hate speech, but but hate speech is not necessarily just an opinion that you disagree with. If you disagree with somebody on something, you can't blow it off as hate speech. That's not how it works. You know, I think, I think death threats probably yeah. uh, qualify as hate speech and I wouldn't want to see death threats uh, regularly on, on Twitter, but I like it. I like the move. I like the fact that, you know, the universe is a delicate balancing act and uh, it's constantly correcting itself. And I think Elon Musk uh, as a free speech absolutist taking control of a social media platform, a major one, if not the major one, is part of the universe balancing itself. You know, nobody's going to ask me for financial advice, um, but I'll tell you, I when I look at it, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. I I don't know how it all works. I don't, I don't know if it was a great investment. I wonder about how he's going to handle all of the authorities around the planet. Because remember, he's now got a, a platform that... Uh, that is, you know, in markets like England and France and Italy and Germany and, and you know, Korea and, and places like that where, you know, all the regulations are different and there's uh, governments to answer to. And uh, I don't know, I guess I guess when you have a giant brain like him, you can handle all of that stuff. But uh, $44 billion, I mean, that's a lot of zeros. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, but Twitter is, uh, it's a worldwide phenomenon. I, I believe that it is the, uh, the the biggest social media platform. I might be wrong there. I guess 
Facebook's up there, and I guess TikTok's getting up there as well. But yeah. um, I don't know how Twitter makes its money. I don't. Are there ads on Twitter? I don't see ads on Twitter. Oh yeah, absolutely, there are. Yeah, yeah. And you can even you can even click on an ad you don't like and say I don't like this, and it disappears. Oh really? Eh? Yeah. Oh, where do they show up? Because I don't look for them. Yeah, well, it's you're scrolling past them because, uh, okay. you know, that's uh, like media companies. Like I would think, agency media, the the building that I'm sitting in in, in uh, Langley, uh, would probably help you design an ad that looks like a tweet, and you wouldn't know it until you're actually looking at the tweet. That's what I think, but I don't. I don't run a media company, so. Speaking of the tweets, do you want to do the tweet sheet? That this seems like an appropriate sheet? segue to go into our tweet sheet. Yeah, what the tweet you sheet. with your segues, Mister Fancy Pants. The tweet sheet is something I do on uh, my radio show on Light One Hundred Six Seven Monday to Friday, and Terry and I do uh, a tweet sheet on our Saturday show, Saturday morning with Terry and Ted. Okay. There are some that I can't use on the radio. <laughs> so I save them for the podcast. Yeah, I think we've got three of them here. I'm going to need you to uh, to uh, up the font on that a little bit. Uh, uh, oh, this isn't a dirty one, but it's a funny yeah. one from at Bob Golan. Fifty <laughs> percent of Roger Federer's name is Er. <laughs> and I did the math. It is. It's it is fifty percent. Er is fifty percent of Roger Federer's name. Okay, that's not a dirty one. No, but I think I, I'm sure that I must have included at least one good dirty one here. Okay. Uh, from at uh, Davis stated, there weren't many people at no proofreading club. It was quite, quite. <laughs> you know, that this one is really timely. Have you seen some of the unbelievable gaffes on television and in the newspapers lately? I know that they're, I haven't seen any lately, but I know that they always pop up inevitably. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell who that one's from, but it's phone call. Me. Hello, doctor. Hi, it's your doctor. Are you sitting down? Me. Yes. Doctor. Yeah, I thought you would be, you fat bitch. <laughs> Scroll down on that a bit, uh, Poseidon, so we can see who that's from. I want to make sure they get the uh, the right uh, Howdy McGee. Howdy McGee. Is is, she, is is that a regular of yours, Ted, for the G? Howdy McGee, I think yeah. that is. Yeah, she is, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that the end of the tweet sheet? That's the tweet sheet for uh, for this week. Yeah, okay. I like that. You know, I I I was trying to recall where I first heard the phrase "fuck you, money." I think, I think it was Donald K. Donald used that phrase uh, years and years and years. Yeah, I think it, it started out. I remember one day he said to me, "Michael Jackson has giraffe money," and I said, "Giraffe? What's giraffe money?" He said, "That's enough money that you would buy giraffes." You know, you have enough money to buy giraffes. You don't have yeah, to worry don't, about it. Don't I have? Let's yeah, see. exactly. Well, I have a giraffe. <laughs> and, and he said, and I said, giraffe money? He said, yeah, kind of like fuck you money. And I said, well, you know, he said, like, you know, Michael Jackson, Elton John, these people, you know, they can do whatever they want, and they don't have to worry about what people say, what people think, what people do. They can just do it. And you're, well, you're right about Elon Musk having that kind of money. Well, and the difference with him, though, is that he wades right into the middle of the shitstorm with it. Yeah, you know, Michael Jackson kept to himself with his giraffe and his and his uh, chimpanzee and his llama. But right. uh, Elon Musk uses that money to go looking for somebody to say "fuck you" to. <laughs> yeah, and I, I speaking of Elton John, I just contributed to his uh, "fuck you" bank account. I went to see him twice 
uh, last week um, as we're recording this. Uh, my wife and I went on Friday night, and we were so taken with it, we went on Saturday night, his very last Canadian show, which I, I thought was uh, was really special for me because I first saw him at the Montreal Forum back in 1974. And as uh, Jess and I were uh, watching the show on Friday night, uh, we were saying on the way home, uh, Elton John is pretty much, you know, when you look at his career, it's such an impressive run, and he's managed to stay, uh, he's managed to stay, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, relevant? Yeah, he's managed to stay relevant. Thank you, Ted. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, he does a duet with Dua Lipa at the uh, the end of the show. Uh, Dua Lipa is a, a, a current artist that, uh, that he discovered and does a duet with, and he's he's really played his cards well so that he's had hits in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the aughts, and uh, now into the 20s. And uh, it's really has, it's been a remarkable run, and because of my age, I guess that's the soundtrack to my life. And as you and I were saying, Ted, as, uh, as we get on, uh, those things uh, come into perspective uh, harder, and they, they seem to take a bigger emotional toll. So at a couple of times during the show, I was going to. <laughs> well, they're reminders of your mortality. Yes, they are. Yeah. 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 He's not singing, uh, you're going to be dead soon, but. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be dead soon. <laughs> and me too. <laughs> Do you think that he will retire? <laughs> What's do you that? think he will? Do you think he will retire? Because he doesn't strike me as the type. He's so passionate yeah. about what he does. I think he's. I think he's going to keel over at the piano. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I. He's. Uh, I. I. don't think he's going to. Uh, I think he is going to retire from the road. One of the things that I've noticed about him, because I've been lucky enough to. Uh, you know, I, I. I met him in the 1980s, courtesy of Donald K. Donald, by the way, who took me to see him when he was playing Jerry Park, and he brought me backstage. And we went into his his uh, trailer, um, and there's a picture of uh, of me backstage with Elton and a few other people uh, during the '80s version of uh, Elton John. And when we went up the stairs into the trailer, and I stood in front of Elton John, I said, <laughs> I, "I I wasn't very dignified because I was in shock." Um, but he he uh, was kind of crabby and a little pissy uh, through the '90s and into the aughts. And now he's awash in gratitude, and he said on stage that he was very grateful for everything the fans had done for him. He was grateful to Canadians. He mentioned he was grateful that his two children have Canadian passports, and he said that uh, he's going to be 76 uh, soon, and uh, he wanted to spend time with his children. And he still has... After he he left Vancouver, he's going to do Dodger Stadium. Then he's off to Australia and Europe. So he's not going to be finished until he's 76 or 77. And I don't think he's going to go back on the road after that. But I, I think he will continue to record. Is he in 12-step recovery, do you know? Or did he go through uh, uh, alcohol or, or drug rehabilitation? I, I'm not sure if, if he was a 12-stepper, Ted, but he's been sober for, I think, over 25 years now. Well, there you go. Because he, you, mentioned, you mentioned gratitude numerous times, and that's yeah. one of the cornerstones of sobriety. Yeah, he, uh, he really mentioned uh, he, was, uh, he was keen to mention it a couple of times, actually. And that, that, was, a, that was a nice change, I thought, uh, coming from the... Uh, coming from the stage can i tell you a story about voswin no sir <laughs> okay then see you later 
Yes, of course. I I was saying before we get what before we push record on this particular edition of the podcast, what on earth is a couple of knuckleheads like us doing speaking for an engineering company? Well, I think that uh, Sean Smith, who uh, who owns and operates Voswin, is is looking for uh, a couple of knuckleheads like us. Uh, not only a spokesman, he's looking for knuckleheads for clients as well. I shouldn't say knuckleheads. He's looking for people who don't have engineering expertise, but who have ideas that require engineering expertise. As an example, last season we had Murray Sheriffs on the show, and we said, Murray, do you have any invention ideas? And Murray said, yeah, I would like to invent a baby seat, a baby car seat, that when you put the baby in, you can swivel the seat around so that it's facing out of the out of the car, and it's that much easier to get the baby in. You don't have to twist or all around to get the child into the seat. And I said, well, then that's an idea that you could take to Voswin, and they would give you the engineering expertise uh, to to bring that product to market. Well, I was talking to Sean the other day, and he said, by the way, somebody invented Murray's chair. <laughs> Oh, did you break the news to Murr? <laughs> Not yet, no. But I think if they invented it after that podcast, I think Murr should sue for theft of intellectual property. But that's what Boswin does, and it's yeah. not necessarily always something as simple as a as a, a baby seat in a car. It could be uh, an innovation. It could be an invention. It could be uh, something within your existing business, an element of your existing business that requires engineering expertise that you might not have, you go to Voswin. They, ex, uh, they um, uh, specialize in mechanical, industrial engineering and design, electrical engineering and design, and software design. Uh, whatever you have, how did you put it last season, Tear? They take it from your hands or from your from your yeah, head and put it, it into your hands. Take it from your brain and in, and they put it in your hands. And Sean, one of the things that I love about them is uh, what great guys. Sean, we we had lunch. We had a typical Montreal lunch uh, at Chinois. Smoked uh, meat at Chinois. Yeah, with, with Sean. And uh, boy, oh boy, what good people he is. And, and he's got good people around him. It it really is quite a treat to speak for him. From uh, your head into your hand, Sean calls vision to innovation. Stop the spin. Call Voswin. V-O-Z-W-I-N. Voswin.com. Shall we write a jingle for that? You want to sing a song? Stop, Stop the spin. spin. No, I don't. Okay, good. Hey, you were talking about gratitude earlier, and uh, last week on the uh, on the uh, little radio program we have on Saturday, um, your bird droppings was about Carrie Price, and I want you to touch on that because I I thought it was a, a nice bird droppings as usual, Ted. Well, I just thought that Carrie Price, uh, when I saw him at that news conference, I thought to myself, he's sober. Uh, it just it, it was written all over him. He had he had uh, a serenity about him that you never saw in Carey Price before. Carey Price was always kind of the the reluctant superstar. You know, he was never comfortable with the or, or entirely comfortable with the attention and and with the accolades. And uh, he went into the NHL NHLPA Player Assistance Program last October. And uh, at the time, he didn't say why he was going in, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't pressed. And actually, there wasn't even that much speculation about it publicly, I didn't find, even on social media. And that speaks to the respect that Carey Price has uh, from uh, Montreal Canadiens media and uh, hockey fans. Uh, 
across the country and around the world. People just went, you know what, whatever it is, let him deal with his thing. And he dealt with it, and he came clean about it at that news conference. I don't know if came clean is the right way to, to, to phrase it, because that sounds like he was hiding something. He wasn't hiding anything. He was just dealing with an issue in his private life, and the issue, he acknowledged, was alcohol abuse. And uh, like I say, I, you know, having, having been around the rooms of AA for 25 years, I know that look when I see it. I know when somebody's mm-hmm. doing well, and I know when they're not. And I could tell. From looking at him, he's doing well. You see the smile on his face yeah. at the beginning of that news conference? Somebody, one of the reporters said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? And a big shit-eating grin broke out on yeah. his face. And you could just see, you could see the serenity. And if the timeline uh, holds, uh, he's now got a year and a change, a year and change of, uh, of sobriety. And that doesn't mean he's out of the woods. You know, it's a one-day-at-a-time program and it's uh it, you know you you it's it's a lifelong journey uh but he appears to be on the right path and i hope that he i hope he can stay on it because he's a he seems like a fine young man and he's a dad he's got three yeah. kids and he said a big part of the reason that he decided to go into rehab was that he wasn't being a very good father yeah there are some things that are more important than hockey uh at the end of the day and one of the things you pointed out to me ted because i used to be a little critical uh, you know, not publicly, but uh, I used to think, you know, what's with Carey Price and the, you know, he would give those two-word answers and he always looked like he wanted to be somewhere else when he talked with the press. Yet when he was with fans, apparently, he's the nicest, nicest person on the planet, treats his fans with such great respect. I, I, I think everybody remembers the scene of him uh, hugging that uh, that child who had just lost his mom and they they built a little bit of a relationship there last year or the year before. Just he brought to, the kid up at the NHL Awards, yeah, I think, later yeah, that year right. or the next year. Yeah, yeah. Just, a, just a really good, decent human being. And and uh, and uh, it's nice to see him turn the corner like that. It's uh, it's, it's something to, uh, I don't know if you stand and applaud, but boy, it sure is, sure is a nice thing to see. It really is. And he also acknowledged that uh, he he's hopeful that he's setting an example within First Nations communities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because he's uh, he's he's got indigenous blood in him. I think his mom is a tribal chief out in, uh, or was out in out in BC. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, alcohol abuse has been rampant in indigenous communities for for decades. And uh, he's hopeful that maybe you know him getting sober will set an example for uh, for folks in that community. By the way, do you do bird droppings uh, during the week? I, I have to confess, I don't get up early to listen to the show, Ted, because out here, <laughs> I, I, I have to get up at 2 a.m. to listen to your program. You don't get up at 2.30 and listen to me sign on? No, uh, to, you know, I love no, you. I, just, but... I do it once a week. I do it once a week. I do it on the Saturday show. It was a staple yeah. of the old Terry and Ted yeah. show, so I thought I would bring it back for Saturday morning with Terry and Ted. Yeah, well, you're quite a skillful writer, and, a, uh, and you deliver it beautifully, so I'm glad it's part of the uh, Saturday show. By the way, while we're talking about that, if uh, people want to know, when you, the thing about the podcast is it, la- it lasts forever. It goes up and it stays up there. So I don't know. You could be listening to this 30 years from now and the radio show won't be on anymore. But for now, <laughs> we're... Oh, yeah? Watch me. <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> I like Ted, but I can't understand the thing he's saying. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, now, now who am I? 
<laughs> but if you want to listen, um, if people complain about the signal because it's a little tiny radio station that hopefully is the is the a thorn in the side of other radio stations. Um, but you can listen on your uh, on your speaker and on your smart speaker, and you you can also listen online, right? You know yep. all of the uh, hullabaloo. iHeartRadio iHeart Radio app, Light1067.ca, smart speaker. Uh, yeah, the signal leaves something to be desired. It serves the community that we're targeting, which is uh, Hudson, St. Lazare, Vaudreuil, Soulange. Uh, but basically, yeah, we have roughly the same uh, uh, the same reach as a 17th century town crier. <laughs> <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. That's how I like to start the show every morning at five thirty. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we we have a lot of fun, and again, um, it's an East Coast West Coast thing now because I, you know, I I I got uh, I got pushed out and made a beeline for the West Coast, uh, where I've been now for a little bit uh, more than a year, and it and there are some good things and there are some bad things. Um, about it. Uh, holy shit, do we miss the food back home, I'll tell you, along with some of the people. Um, but uh, the upside is you can watch football at 10 a.m., and uh, Hockey Night in Canada comes on at 4 o'clock. So, um, you know, if you had somewhere to go on Saturday, and we don't, um, you know, that would have come in handy when I was in my 20s, Ted. You could watch the hockey game at 4 and then make a beeline for the bar at like 7.30 and not miss anything. <laughs> or you could watch the late game at 7. Yeah, that's right. And you yeah, know what? He... I, I find it strange because we were watching the Battle of Alberta last weekend, and that usually signaled, um, you know, late night on Saturday. When I see the Oilers in the flames, I was usually at home with, you know, company and we were already five or six drinks in yeah and here it's it's barely seven o'clock so it's it's kind of a strange thing you were saying to me uh when we were talking last week though that that the east coast rules still apply though they always change i guess it was when the canadians were playing in st louis yeah and, and they started the game at six o'clock st louis time which is a weird time to start a hockey game yeah. and ask people to be at the rink yeah. but they yeah. did that to accommodate the eastern time zone it was yeah. a, a six o'clock central time seven o'clock eastern time yeah you know i've lived i lived in winnipeg and i've lived in calgary and now i live in british columbia even though i'm born and raised in montreal and i'll tell you when i lived in winnipeg and calgary and now that i live in vancouver the East is a real thorn in the side of the people that live out West because everything is, it's, you know what they say about Toronto centric? That's true. That's absolutely true. The people droning on and on about the goddamn Maple Leafs and, <laughs> and going on and on and on about Toronto. Like when, when we were trying to find out, um, you know, uh, uh, information about things that don't pertain to Montreal or Toronto or Ottawa, the, uh, the, the Laurentian Triangle or whatever they're calling it in the National Post. It's a giant pain in the ass because all of the decisions, and I understand it from a business point of view because there's 8 million people in Quebec and a billion billion people in Ontario, and that's where the money is, and that's where the money gets printed, and that's where the decisions are made. But if you live in Brandon, Manitoba, or Saskatoon, or Calgary, or even out here in Vancouver, 
you think, ah, oh, Christ, Jesus, you know, we, we've got to, we got to bend around what they're, the decisions they're making in the East. It's, it's a thing. And it's, it's interesting. You know, one of the things people always ask me is like, oh, how could you leave Montreal? It's your home. You're born and raised there. But I find all of these different chapters uh, interesting, uh, interesting adventure and an interesting challenge, mentally, certainly. Um, but it also, it teaches me a lot about the country and how it works. Well, you can learn about the country or you can learn about the world. My daughter, Lauren, grew up here. She lived in Paris, met her husband there. They now live in Bordeaux and they're moving to Lisbon. Wow. Are they really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I I thought they were going back to Paris. Well, that was the original plan, and they may yet. But apparently, moving to Lisbon has tax advantages for oh, him. So they're going. They're going. <laughs> they're going to become residents for uh, uh, a certain period of time. Apparently, yeah, from what yeah. I understand, and, and and your daughter would be able to address this better than me. Apparently, uh, Paris and France, by at large, is a lot like Quebec in terms of rules regulations, bureaucracy, and taxes, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And maybe I'm telling tales out of school here. I hope she doesn't watch the podcast (laughs) as I discuss her husband's tax issues publicly. But she made me laugh. She's, uh, you know, born and raised here, lived in Paris for six years, and then they moved to Bordeaux, and she came back uh, to get married a few weeks ago. And I said... uh, so now that you've lived in Bordeaux for uh, for a year or so, uh, uh, how do you find it compares to Paris? And she said, I find it banal and provincial. <laughs> and I said, you are a Parisian, wow. aren't you? Yeah. Smoking a cigarette upside down and wearing <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm guessing that there's sort of a Montreal to Quebec City kind of relationship yeah. between, yeah, between Paris and any other uh, large but not as large city in France. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And, and I and I get it because they're, you know. All of the things that make Montreal a giant pain in the ass, some of them I confess we miss. You mean like the shitty traffic and <laughs> and the politics and the language issues? And you know they've closed the uh, they've closed most of the Lafontaine Tunnel for three yeah. years. Right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like yeah. fun actually. And I under I understand. I was I was glad I was sitting down when I got the news. The REM is not they, they, they it's they, it's not finished on schedule. I understand. Oh, I'm aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, um, speaking of driving, I was just wondering if you had any money left because of your car. <laughs> Everything I've poured into the Bavarian money pit? Yes. Well, you know what? You know what? I bought a 10-year-old luxury car. So yeah. what do you expect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a luxury car. Well, A, it's 10 years old, so things are going to go on it, and they're going to have to be replaced. B, it's a luxury brand, so when it has to be replaced, you're going to pay a premium on it. So. Yes. I kind of knew up front what I was getting into, but I also knew that I would deal on a regular basis with Merson Automotive. And I know that the Mersons will never do anything to my car that doesn't need to be done. They will never sell me a product that I don't need. And furthermore, if I have something or if I require something that they don't specialize in, they'll send me somewhere uh, where the proprietor operates along the same principles as they do, with honesty and integrity. Case in point, last year I needed to get a new windshield because I had a couple of big rock chips and one of them started to crack and the crack started across the windshield. And I thought, oh my God, this is going to cost a fortune. A windshield for a BMW. 
So Celso and Merson said to me, go see Jack at Jacob and Jacob down the street here on Saint-Jacques and NDG. So I went down and I saw Jack, and Jack replaced my windshield. And Jack, don't kill me for this. He might have given me a, a, a better price than other people, $300. Oh, jeez. $300 to replace my windshield, and I thought I was looking at a grand at least. Yeah, so, well, that, that's the Mersons looking after you. We always say that, exactly, right? Yeah, gonna, numbers aside, that's you. the Mersons looking out for me and yeah. looking after me and sending me to someone else who they know that I can trust. And I've had a couple of situations with uh, things that I needed for my car that they couldn't do, so they sent me to someone else, and both times I was treated right, just like I'm treated right at Merson Automotive. They specialize in tires, and uh, this is the winter tire season. Drop by Merson and ask them about Nokian and Yokohama, two of the better tire brands. Uh, they'll fix you up all tires for all cars. Uh, they'll find you what you need at a good price. Um, I really liked your use of furthermore there. You don't hear that very much anymore. Oh, yeah? When did I furthermore? <laughs> well, you used you you had a, a furthermore in there, and I thought, you know, you that's from the olden days, right? And furthermore! <laughs> <laughs> if you give me a chance, I might even slip in a hither, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for the Merson, start at mersonauto.com. That's uh, where uh, you can find them. Um, this uh, podcast is season uh, number four. Uh, we've already talked about this, but we just I thought we would uh, take a moment uh, to say thanks to everybody who was uh, on the Facebook page uh, because uh, my, my wife Jess is, has been our social media helper outer, I guess. I, that, she's going to hate me for saying that, but she's uh, our social media guru. That's right. She's the guru oh, in the Gourette. Uh, the Gourette. <laughs> the Gourette. Um, she's, uh, explained to me that, uh, um, uh, people follow us on Twitter and, uh, and, uh, go to the Facebook page whenever you post uh, videos, Ted, you're very, very good at uh, taking care of the Facebook page. Um, what do people do just to, uh, type in standing by, correct? Yeah. At our Facebook page, standing by the Terry and Ted podcast. I think if you just type in standing by, we're the yeah. first thing that comes up. Yeah, and we love the feedback, by the way. We've been getting all kinds of feedback and commentary from people. Like, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we mentioned that we we would be getting Season 4 underway, and we got a lot of encouragement, and, and we're deeply deeply appreciative of that. I, I, I just can't uh, tell you how much we uh, uh, were encouraged by that. Thank you. Yeah, as well as Facebook, we're also on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Instagram, where all the kids are. <laughs> you want you want to do the you want to do the TikTok, Ted? You're not on the ticker talker though. <laughs> it's somebody said to me, why why don't you and Ted do a dance on TikTok? <laughs> yeah, we just may as well shoot ourselves in that. <laughs> and two of us on TikTok <clears throat> with the uh, the latest. Do you, do you go on the uh, on TikTok, Ted? I don't. I know that you do, and the reason oh, I, I know it. that you do is you send me videos sometimes. Yeah, some of them are are uh, very uh, very. Do you post very... on TikTok? No, I'm not on TikTok. I I don't want to do the. So uh... where do you? Fu- but where? So where do you get the videos? Do you well, have an you, account? You just you download the app and you can scroll through the videos oh. and, and just. Uh... Do you have, so you don't have to open an account. No, you don't. I they've encouraged me to do you know open an account every once in a while, but you know I I don't know what it is, but I, I find it. This is not fair because I'm 64. This is not a fair thing for me to say, but I find it a little unseemly. You know, like Bob Ray's on it, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and there's, 
you know, by they're not, you know, people from from that era. Is he Canada's on, ambassador to the United Nations? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's on TikTok. Well, I I could be. Uh, I, mean, I should have TikTok dances. Yeah, ask Poseidon to look that up. I'm not sure, if it, but there there are a lot of people from our generation trying to um, I don't know trying to up their social media game by being on TikTok, and uh, you know there's a difference from uh, you know some clever you know influencers and TikTok creators that spend their day on that. And, you know, the average old guy who's, like, holding up the camera and just doing a rant. There's a lot of that that goes on, you know? Yeah, there's not a lot of dignity in that. No, I, I don't think so. They're, you know, holding up the phone to your face and going, oh, I, I ought to tell you, you know, like uh, the grandpa from The Simpsons. It's yeah. uh, I, that, That's why I'm not on it. And, and I don't think there should be a standing by uh, podcast account on TikTok. Well, I don't think we need one because what do we put up there after all? We put up clips from from the show, and I think Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook handle that quite nicely. Mm-hmm. I think my friend Sam is on TikTok, if I'm not mistaken. Sam's yep. very funny. He's got some funny videos. Yeah, this is the old apple from the tree, far from the tree thing, isn't it? Yeah, except that Sam, unlike me, is young and hip. Yeah. And he's very well-versed, in. he's studying uh, uh, media at... Mm-hmm. Uh, formerly Ryerson, now Metropolitan Toronto University. So he's very well-versed uh, technologically and uh, add that to uh, to a very uh, a very clever wit. And uh, Sam and his friend Rory have come up with some pretty, some pretty funny stuff. I love, uh, I have such respect for Sam because he's very, very funny. He's very, very studious. He's very, very bright. Um, he's a good-looking boy. He's well-mannered. He's a Loyola kid. And, um, and he, he's... He's really navigated that minefield that is that school in Toronto because that school in Toronto, you can step on a you can step on a social uh, landmine there in a big yeah. big hurry, and you will be uh, you will be swarmed by many many social justice warriors. Uh, just note the name change, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Sam goes with the flow pretty good. He manages to avoid controversy, and he's very likable as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, think, would, you yeah. wouldn't want to get into an argument. No, no, no. He's, got a, he's got a heart of gold. I like to say about Sam, he got uh, all of his parents' good qualities and none of their bad ones. Oh, that's very sweet. What? What's the name of the bar that he dazzles people at again, Ted? Do you remember? It's Tironi Restaurant. Tironi Restaurant, yeah, Tironi, T-R-R-O-N-I. Okay. And it's at uh, Young and, I believe, Price, right up around Davisville. And Sam's a bartender there. Go up to the bar and say, hey, your dad sent me. (laughs) (laughs) He said the drinks were free. Now, I uh, on the on the uh, notes that you gave me for rehearsal, Ted, I I just had a glance at it because you know how it's important that we follow the program. Well, yeah, you wrote double header, and I have no fucking idea what that's about. Oh, it was the Elton John double header? We already oh, talked about that. Yeah. All right. Okay. We can talk about my football trip to Jacksonville. Yes, I would like to hear about this because I I thought this was interesting. Uh, in case you don't know, Ted is a massive, massive fan of the New York Giants, the National Football League, and tries to make a, a pilgrimage to go see the Giants play. Last year, you were, as you describe, on the right side of the tracks in Florida, Ted. Well, it was actually three years ago, pre-pandemic, okay. 2019. Sam and I went. Sam is also a big Giants fan, third generation. We went to Tampa to see the Giants play 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was pre-Tom Brady. It was the year before the Bucks picked up Tom Brady. Beautiful day, great tickets, Giants won. Very exciting. Fans, opposing fans were terrific. They were very welcoming and good-natured, the, the Tampa Bay fans. Now, mind you, when the Giants go on the road, the two Florida games I've gone to, Tampa and Jacksonville, uh, the stadium is awash in New York Giants blue. So you know there's a lot of people there who would have your back if, if there were trouble. Uh, but there was none in Tampa, and there was none in Jacksonville either, but the Jacksonville fans had a significantly chippier edge to them than the Tampa fans. And I kind of figured out between the football experience and just being around town and the hotel and going to restaurants and Uber drivers, North Florida seems like the wrong side of the Florida tracks. Mm. South Florida, Tampa, Miami, South Beach, lots of money. Uh, lots of sophistication, people from rich people from uh, other places move there. North Florida, everybody's from North Florida. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and it's a different, and I'm not denigrating them, it's just a different social class. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the South, it's Dixie to me. It felt like we were in Dixie. Everybody was y'all. Foghorn uh, Lakehorn. Exactly, yeah. The, yeah. the Uber driver taking us back out to the airport in Jacksonville said, my baby, my oldest baby is 28. I'm 43. <laughs> was that the end of the story? <laughs> she was just going on. and It was everything I could do not to go, so you waited until you were 15 before having your first. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, I can tell y'all are from Canada because y'all say A. And I said, I can tell y'all are from here because y'all say y'all. <laughs> so it was, uh, you, you had a true uh, way down in Dixie experience then is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, we really did. I'd like yeah. to visit. I've never been to Georgia or Alabama or Mississippi, like the deep south or what I envision as yes. being the deep south. I'd like to go sometime to see what it's like and to make that comparison. But that's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like It felt like Dixie. And I know some people would would you know look at that with a negative connotation i don't yeah. necessarily everybody was very nice to yeah. us yeah. i know that the us south has an ugly history uh if you go back uh you know decades or centuries uh, there was some uh, some unsavory goings on yeah. there but um, i think uh, you know a lot of that has changed for the better well and if you talk to anybody who's been been down that way uh there is a a legendary hospitality uh aspect uh, there's a warmth to Southerners, which I, I must admit I've not experienced, but I have watched Bugs Bunny, so I think that uh, I've, I've had a pretty good look. <laughs> Are you from the South? I'm not only from it, sir, I'm in it. <laughs> if you're a Bugs Bunny fan, you're going to get that reference all uh because uh, it, it uh, can you even watch it anymore anywhere, Ted? Something I didn't has watch to... it online. Yeah. I watch it online. If Do yourself there's... a favor. If you if you've never watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon, go online and watch the unedited versions, the ones with all the violence. <laughs> go to super supercartoons.net is oh. a pretty good website for old animation, okay. including the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Well, see, we're not just uh, we're not just goofing around. We actually have important tips for you. Yeah, we watch cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know who I heard from? I heard from our friends at Matla Bonheur. And uh, remember the codes? The the codes, uh, the Terry code, Ted yeah. code? These uh, these codes actually got claimed. And, uh, and people walked in the door and said, hey, I want to claim my Ted Bird code. That's fantastic. 
great news? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. They um, they were thrilled with that. The uh, the folks at Matla Bonheur, if uh, you're unfamiliar with them, they are a family run. The family still owns the business. That's a rare, rare thing uh, these days. Uh, where the family that started the business with a pickup truck and some mattresses and a small store on Guayne Boulevard in St. Genevieve. Um, that store's still there, by the way. Um, and uh, they they started that business, and they've been running it with pride ever since for years and years and years. And they will find you. And if you've, you've had to go buy a mattress, you know what I'm talking about. Buying a mattress is a giant pain in the ass. Because you, especially if you go into a furniture store or department store, you're flopping around in front of strangers on different mattresses and trying to figure out what you're going to sleep on for the next 8 to 10 years. And it's a difficult, difficult thing to do. Let the folks from Matlab Bonheur and their unbelievably well-trained staff help you out, help you steer your way through that. And whether you're buying a, just a, a mattress for the guest room or, you know, the kids new, need a new mattress because they're growing too fast or you've been sleeping on the same mattress for 10 years, which is way too long, put yourself in the hands of the good people at Matlab Bonheur from the second you end up in a store, you will be warmly greeted and uh, politely welcomed, and they'll ask you a couple of questions, and then uh, they'll suggest a couple of uh, mattresses that uh, they think may fit what you're looking for. And there's something for every uh, budget. And you know what it is? It's a really, really nice shopping experience, something that's harder and harder to find these days. Start by visiting metlabonner.ca, and you'll find a location near you. They're all over the greater Montreal area. Um, speaking of money, still doing the codes? Are we what? Oh yeah, are they still doing the codes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Codes, yeah, yeah, the codes. Um, I I didn't bring them. I don't have them in front of me. So <laughs> when you go in there, just uh, uh, just say, uh, hey, uh, Terry, uh, the Terry code. What's the Terry code? Um, uh, there's uh, two codes. You can use mine, which is Ter O five T E R O five, or a Ted's. Ted, T-E-D, Ted, O five, Go in there and say, hey, I got a promo code for you. Okay? How's about that? Can you just buy bedding there, bedding and pillows? Yes, like yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful linens, great pillows, fluffy ones, flat ones, whatever. Are you a fluffy pillow guy or a flat pillow guy? Uh, I'm more of a flat pillow guy. Are you? Yeah. I have uh, the pillows I have have foam in them, I think. Okay. They're foamy pillows. Like those. But I, I need to get some new bedding. I ain't coming over. I don't like I don't like the foam pillows. No, eh? Yeah. Go if you need bedding, go. They've got their own their own uh, line of linens. Yeah, I might have to get rid of my cat first though. A, what? My cat. Oh no, you can't get rid of your cat, Ted. Well, yeah, but she doesn't wipe her ass. <laughs> and, then, and then she and then she jumps up on my bed and leaves shit stains. So I'm constantly using the fucking stain remover. And and wiping the shit stains. Oh my god! I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> can you get shit stain? Uh, free, can you get shit stain resistant bedding? I'm sure the folks at MATLAB on Air will come up with a solution for you. Ask for our shit stain free bedding. But what kind of a what kind of what kind of a cat doesn't have a clean ass? Well, aren't cats famous? I know our cats are very famous for being clean. Well, that's what I thought, but, yes. you know, she, I'll, I'll go in, she'll jump off the bed, and I'll look, and I'll go, for Christ's sake. 
It's what you... That's the last thing you expect is a skid mark from a cat. Yeah, and that's exactly what they are. They're yeah. skid marks. And I assume, I don't know what else it would be. Like, it's not, she doesn't go outdoors, so it's not her dirty paws. <laughs> that's the proof of guys are right. <laughs> what's, what's that old joke about the doctor wanting a semen and a stool sample, so I gave him my underwear? <laughs> No, a urine sample. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. It was classy up until that point. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I shouldn't have brought it up, but Christ almighty, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> well, you got to do something about it because uh, that's uh, that's not good for the Dayton scene there, Ted. No, not at all. Not one bit. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to turn the lights out. <laughs> Not a thing. Um, listen, we we're we're um, we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, just before we do, um, I uh, I I just don't know what to say other than I'm so so sorry. I I I was stunned yesterday when I, I got the news from Ted um, about uh, John McGale uh, passing away at the. Uh, the age of 66, the day after he turned 66, the day after his birthday, John was killed in a car accident. And I said on Twitter, uh, what a mark he left with his band Offenbach in Quebec. He left such a mark uh, on not just the Quebec music scene and has left a legacy with with that, that act with the now departed, long since departed Jerry Boulay. Uh, and John made such an impact on the on the uh, Quebec music scene. Um, but more than that, ask anybody about John Miguel, and they'll tell you what a kind and decent and wonderful human being he was. He was a hell of a guitar player and a hell of a writer, um, but uh, he was an even nicer man. And the stories, if you if you have a Facebook account, I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, the stories across Facebook have just been remarkable with people talking about meeting him, having breakfast with him, watching him at a club. He helped us with the Missing Children's Network all those years ago. He came out to most of our radiothons. Just a, just a wonderful man and a shocking, shocking uh, thing to have happen the day after your, your, uh, your birthday. He was killed in a tragic car accident in, uh, in and around or near Lacalle. And I just wanted to extend our sympathies and the sympathies to his friends and family because I know there's a lot of people uh, who uh, are going to miss him and were deeply, deeply saddened by his far too early departure. John McGale, gone at the age of 66. I don't want to end on that note, Ted, but I thought... We don't have to end on that note because we also have to say uh, thank you to our friends at Jaguar Land Rover Laval who have been with us on this podcast from the very beginning. They were the first sponsors to come on board. And when I spoke to Adrian at Jaguar Land Rover, I love this story because uh, we were I was driving down the highway and a Jaguar went by and I called her up and I said, Adrian, I just saw a beautiful Jaguar drive by and it made me think of you. Not because it was a Jaguar, but because it was beautiful. And I had her hooked from there. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Did she know about your sheets? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. She does now. She's probably going to cancel the contract. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be affiliated with the cat yeah. shit. Geez, okay, yeah. they'll never lend us another car. <laughs> yeah, seriously, eh? Uh, but let me tell you this: when you come back, 
Uh, I want to do a podcast from the Land Rover Laval Terrasse at Monsey Sauveur. Okay. They've got a permanent facility up there, a terrasse sponsored by Land Rover Laval. And they're going to be throwing an après ski party up there on November 26th. Uh, they are the main sponsor of the cafe, and it's going to be a season full of fun events kicking off uh, on November the 26th. Prizes including uh, winning the use of a Land Rover for a weekend. Probably the Land Rover they didn't have to loan us, Terry, because you weren't able to come to town this time. Right. <laughs> and they also wanted us to remind you that the, the all-new 2023 Jaguar F-Pace is now in stock. We had one of those uh, the last time you were in Montreal. Get them while they're hot. And the all-new Land Rover Velar is also available. Visit the dealership to see all of their different models or go to jaguarlaval.ca or landroverlaval.ca. Hey, where's Poseidon? We haven't heard from Poseidon at all. Where are you, Poseidon? He's right there. Right here, buddy. You've been very cold. He's, <laughs> he's a little under the weather, Terry. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, bud. Yeah, I'm a little bit congested, so I'm uh, staying on the low. Oh, dear. Yeah, I sound like you have a very bad cold. <laughs> yeah. that's. He's uh, still off the smokes, though, I think, aren't you, Poseidon? Yep, yep. Yeah. Wow. How are you shaking that uh, habit, uh, Poseidon? How's that going? Uh, good. I just, uh, I'll smoke a cigar here and there, cigarellos and oh, stuff like that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cigars, cigarettes, cigarellos. Smoking cigarettes, done. Yeah. Um, Poseidon is our uh, longtime pro, uh, producer. And uh, I think, uh, Ted, did you not bring sandwiches today from uh, Non Solo Pane? I did, yeah. I brought a couple uh, of chicken wraps from yeah. Non Solo Pane. And we yeah. also lit a chocolate eclair, which was quite delicious. Wow, that's good. And uh, yeah. now uh, now it sounds like Poseidon might have a cigar. Maybe. <laughs> no. Not with this, not with this uh, cold. Yeah, I guess not. No such <laughs> thing as a menthol cigar, I guess, eh? That's true. I smoked menthol cigarettes when I was a smoker, and I got a cold. Yeah. I'd get a pack of McDonald's menthol or cameos. Yeah, cameos. No better cure. Listen, I, uh, I'm, I, I just can't tell you how excited that uh, season four is going to take off, even though uh, I was unable to uh, attend uh, in person. But I thought this went okay, Ted. Um, I thought it did too. Yeah, for uh, for first time out this season, and we got some guests lined up as well. Already. Yes, and that's what I wanted to say. The, the recordings are going to continue. We've got some guests lined up. We'll tell you about it on social media over the coming days. Of course, I'm talking like this is radio. Uh, there are no coming days in podcast land. But uh, my thanks, uh, first of all, to Mike Ward and Pentelis. Um, we're uh, proudly associated. Uh, uh, we're part of the Pantelis Kingdom, as you like to call it, eh, Ted? The Pantelis Comedy Empire. That's right, the Comedy you can Empire. Find all of our uh, podcasts uh, yeah. on YouTube uh, under the Pantelis Comedy account. And I know this won't mean much in Montreal, but I uh, I just uh, can't thank the uh, folks at Agency Media here in Langley enough, uh, Adam, and uh, my thanks to Marshall, who is. Uh, uh, been uh, watching over me uh, while we recorded this uh, on the uh, West Coast. Um, this is a, a bi-coastal podcast for now, Ted, for at least season four. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's right. <laughs> we'll see you uh, on our next episode. Thanks for joining us. You can print, ship, and more at the UPS Store, theupsstore.ca. 